Welcome to the start of a new series. As you can see on the screen, and maybe you grabbed a handout, you see it right there at the top. This is a series called Addiction, and we're going to be in this series for the next three weeks. Uh, You may be going, hey, I don't struggle with this. Why are we talking about this? I hope that you'll hear me. I think there's something for all of us to take away from this series from our newest freshmen uh, to our graduates, even to us adults in the room, I think. Uh, there's something for us in this series, and, and I want to start by defining addiction, uh, and you can find a lot of different definitions. I kind of made an amalgamation of some ones that I found. This is how I'm choosing to define it for the series. Addiction is the compulsion to repeat a behavior despite consequences. So you're compelled to keep doing something, even though you know, like, this may not be good for me. There may be consequences. You get caught in a cycle of continuing that, even though you know maybe you shouldn't against your best interests. And so we're going to be talking about that. And you may think, here we go, he's going to talk about drugs or alcohol or pornography. It's going to be super awkward. That is not the topic tonight or any of the nights in this series. However, I do want to touch that right at the top to just say, if you are struggling with something like that or someone you love is, uh, there is help out there. I'm just going to put this on the screen. If you want this number, you can come back and see me. This is the SAMHSA hotline. It stands for Substance Abuse Mental Health um, Services Administration. If you call this number, they'll get you connected to someone locally in your area. They can help you with uh, being addicted to things. If you come to me, if you're brave enough, bold enough to do that, I have a list of counselors that we recommend here through Brookwood. We, I'd love to say, hey, here's somebody locally that I can help you get connected with. You don't even have to call this number. I would also like to just recommend to you the landing uh, people in this room have been to the landing. There's no shame in it. Uh, the landing is a place to go. You can see this right from our Brookwood Church website. It says we all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups in our lives. And I think sometimes we write, celebrate recovery, and the landing off is, well, those are people, those people who have those problems. The landing can be a helpful thing for you depending on the season of life that you're in. Uh, so consider that. That meets on Thursday nights. Uh, if you want more information, uh, you can see me or you can check out the website that you see here behind me. That's our, our church website. But we're not talking about substance abuse. We're not going to talk about pornography tonight. Uh, we are going to talk about some other things. But right out of the gate, I want to talk about our theme verse uh, for the series. You see it on your handout tonight. This comes from Romans 6. It's verse 18. It says, Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. I think sometimes there's a misunderstanding. That when you start following Jesus, now you're shackled down. Now you can't do any of the fun stuff. Now you just got to do all this boring Jesus stuff. You got to go to church and you got to sing these songs. And now I got to do all this stuff. I think that's a wrong way to think about a relationship with Jesus. According to the Bible, looking at this verse, before you have a relationship with Jesus, that's when you're in shackles. That's when you're enslaved. That's when you are stuck. And if you have ever been doing something destructive in your own life, maybe you have been addicted and you know, hey, I shouldn't be doing this. I want to get out, but you can't. And you just keep on and you keep on and you keep on. That's bondage. And when you meet Jesus, and for those of us in this room who have been in that former camp and then we've stepped into a relationship with Jesus, there's something freeing about that. Yeah, but that's a total youth pastor take. There's still stuff I can't do. God just wants to put me in a box. No, God does have parameters for your life, but they're for the betterment of your life. I would tell you, I don't think that's bondage. I think that's God parenting us, shepherding us in a loving way. 
When we meet Jesus, we're set free from that obligation to do what our sinful nature wants. And so some of us, we are, we're addicted to things. It's like quicksand. You feel like, I can get out of this, I can do this, I, I just got to try harder. Raise your hand if you've ever been in a situation like, I can, I can do this if I just try a little bit harder. All of us. Raise your hand if you failed to just try harder. Yeah, look around. If you are struggling with something, you're addicted to something, you're likely not getting out on your own. I want to offer you two steps. These aren't in the notes, but you could jot them down, or they're very easy to remember. The first thing you need to do is confess. If you're struggling with something, the first thing you got to do is realize, I'm struggling. you got to be able to say that out loud. Sometimes you got to start by just admitting it to yourself, but you confess that to God. God, I need you. God, I'm in trouble. God, I need help. You confess it to God, and then you go and confess that to somebody. Why? Because we are created for community. So you confess and then you find community. People who will love you well enough to say some hard things to you. If you were here for our last series, we talked a lot about speaking truth in love. We talked about better wounds from a friend than many kisses from an enemy. So if you got something you're struggling with, you got to confess that first to God, then to somebody in community who can hold you accountable. For you graduates who are moving into what's next, the strongest piece of advice I can give you is wherever you go, find that group. For those of you who are staying here close to home, you need to be at young adults. You just need to be there. And for those of you who are going off when you come home, you need to be a part of what's going on at young adults to stay connected in Christ-centered community. You get off to your various campuses, your different places, find some people who love Jesus and will love you well enough to keep pushing you towards him. Confess and find some community if you're struggling with some addiction. But tonight, I told you we're not covering some of those things that you maybe thought we would be covering. We're going to talk about our addiction to distraction. And this is your first fill-in. We are addicted to distraction. Now, what do I specifically mean by that? We're going to talk a little bit about technology. Technology. And I, I promise you my goal tonight is not be an old man up here yelling at the clouds. This technology is so bad. We should all burn our technology. No, I'm not going to say that. I'm not. Technology is a tool. It is neither evil nor good. It's just a tool. Think about a fire. A fire can keep you warm. A fire can be a great thing to congregate around. A fire can also burn you up. Burn everything in your life. If you were in big church this morning, JC talked about his 10-year-old son getting a knife. Man, a knife's a great tool. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful thing that can be helpful. They can also cut you. Tools, they're, they're fairly neutral. It's how we choose to utilize them. And technology is that way, man. Technology is amazing. The technological advancements that have been made, even in your lifetime, are nuts. Hey, students, I challenge you with this. When you get to groups in just a little while, ask your leaders, what are some of the craziest technological advancements you've seen in your long, 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 long life? Okay, because you've been a long, long time. They're, they're old. Color TV, Pete says. Pete, were you really alive when there was not color TV? Wow. <laughs> old? Um, I'm not that old. I was old enough to, we, we didn't have a remote. I was the remote. My mom was like, go change the channel. I had to go up there and do it myself. But ask your leaders tonight. Technology, um, it can be a great thing, but it can also be a difficult thing. Uh, I see you guys hanging out. I watch y'all. Not to be creepy, but sometimes I just, I'm watching. And this is what I see a lot of times. I see a group of 10, 15 high school students doing this. Y'all are all together. 
But none of you are connected in any way. You're all doing your own thing. Years ago, uh, in a previous life, I worked at Lexington Middle School. It's one of my favorite jobs I ever had. I coached football. Uh, I did some instructing in the classroom. And we used to have a lot of problem with the bus line. Middle schoolers are wild. Y'all know this. You were middle schoolers once, and some of you even volunteer with our middle school students here. Every day when I would walk out to the football field, I'd go past the bus line. I mean, stuff flying out the windows, kids fighting. I mean, it was just nuts on the bus. It was wild. And then something crazy happened. They gave every kid in the school an iPad. And we never had problems on the bus anymore. You know what I saw when I walked? I would just see every kid just glued to this iPad. And it was like, man, this is great. There's no more problems. No, we just unpacked a whole different host of problems. If you are that person who's constantly glued to your screen, I'm talking to you tonight. If you have ever sat across from a lunch with somebody and they're constantly, they're not even checking the time, they're checking all their notifications, they're constantly on their phone, there's something for you tonight. If I'm sitting here and you're trying to tell me something really important going on in your life, I'm like, uh-huh, cool, yeah, that sounds great. Oh, Harrison Bryant just went off the board in my fantasy draft. Yeah, man, hey, I love what you're saying. That's cool, that's cool. Oh, man, oh, yeah. Do you feel like I care about what you're saying? No, but you do that because we are addicted to distraction. We just love to have our attention split a lot of different ways. Do you know, I'll take some guesses from the audience, you, your group, teenagers, do you know how many hours a day you, on average, spend looking at screens? Give me some guesses. Six, Six, ten. Did someone say 15? Get some help, 15 answer person. Four, ten hours. So the research shows, and it, it varies from study to study, eight hours a day. Now just to break this down for you, that's a third of the hours in a day. Because three times eight is 24. Now if you sleep eight hours, and I'm not naive enough to believe any of you actually get eight hours of sleep, but if you did, that's half of your waking hours are spent staring at a phone. If I randomly pick someone out of the audience right now and say, hey, come up here and, and pull up that neat little thing on your phone which tells us how much screen time you're averaging. Does anybody your chest like, oh, no, please not me. Oh, eight hours. I, would, I remember those days. I'm long past that. That's some of us. My screen time notification thing goes off every Sunday morning while we're sitting up here in big church. Okay, so that's all of us. Oh, conviction of the Holy Spirit. I'm just like, oh, no, I'm spending a ton of time. This week... This week, I'm just going to tell myself, I averaged seven and a half hours a day. I stayed home three days this week with my son. And so as I'm trotting along behind him, you know, I'm trying to look at this. I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to, I just felt convicted as I was preparing for this message that pops across this morning in church. I'm like, man, how actively engaged am I with my two-year-old if I'm averaging seven hours a day on my phone? And then I begin to justify, well, you know, I mean, I'm watching YouTube videos on there. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. We are so addicted to distraction. You ever do this? I, and again, I'm telling on myself. My wife and I will be watching a movie or a TV show. I'm doing that. I'm on my laptop or my iPad doing something else. And then I'm also looking at my phone. Anybody, please tell me I'm not alone. Okay. We have a problem, those of us who are doing that. Like, and then I'm like, what, what even happened? I, have, I don't even know what happened in the last 10 minutes. I've been doing this. I've been doing this. We're addicted to distraction. We're spending a crazy amount of time looking at screens. And I would submit to you that it's possible some of us have made our technology and our distractions into an idol. 
And while the Bible doesn't mention iPhones or social media, any of those things, it does talk extensively about idolatry. I want to read you this quote from Tim Keller. I've shared some quotes from him before. I think Tim Keller, if you're just like, hey, I'm looking for some content, I'm looking for a pastor I can listen to, Kev, you're okay, but who's better than you? This guy. Tim Keller, one of the smartest pastors, I think, of our generation. He's recently retired. He says this, what is an idol? It is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. Now, we're sitting here talking about technology, and for a lot of us, I think this probably is true. But for you, it could be something else. Like, it could be your sports team. It could be your academic excellence. It could be a lot of different things. Your boyfriend, your girlfriend. If you got anything in your life that you're looking to for the ultimate source of your happiness, that's an idol. And the Bible's very, very clear. God's not going to compete with your idol. The Bible says that God is jealous. And I didn't understand that when I was younger. I was like, what does that mean? Isn't jealousy bad? But in this sense, what it means is God wants your full attention. He wants to be number one. He doesn't want to play second fiddle. And I think most of us, if we were honest, God's probably not even your second priority half the time. He's somewhere on the list, but he's pretty far down. Uh, If you're interested in reading more about idolatry, this quote actually comes from this book, uh, Counterfeit Gods, The Empty Promises of Money, Sex, Power, and the Only Hope That Matters. Uh, It's a great book. I've got a copy in the back if you want to take a look at it uh, tonight. We can talk a little bit about that. Um, but our social media, that, that's a big part of this. And again, I'm not trying to tell you, get off all the social media. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is some of us, like we fall into this trap of the doom scroll. You know what I mean? Like you just can't stop. And then you look up and you realize an hour has passed. You've done nothing. You haven't even moved. This might be too much, but here it is. It's not my notes. If you routinely go to the bathroom and you sit there so long on your phone that when you go to stand up, your legs are numb and you can't move, you got a problem. I'm talking about me. Like, don't act like I'm alone. I'm not going to make you raise your hand, but you've done it. You're like, oh, geez, now I can't move. I got to sit here a little while longer. Let me just keep scrolling. Or you lay awake at night despite all the studies telling you you shouldn't be looking at your phone right before you go to bed. And you're like, why can't I sleep? You're just scrolling, 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 scrolling. There's a documentary on Netflix that talks about some of the dangers of social media, and the guy who invented the endless scroll says it's the worst thing he's ever done in his life. You probably don't remember this. There was a time when you would scroll so far at the bottom of your social media, you'd be like, the end, like that's all there is. There's nothing new that you haven't seen. Doesn't do that anymore. You can just scroll forever. And the guy who invented that says it's the worst thing I've ever done in my life. I wish I would have never done that because we're just so addicted to that distraction. And there are a ton of studies, there are a ton of studies, and I'm not going to show all of them to you. I'll show you some pieces of some of them that talk about uh, technology, specifically our smartphones and social media, how they impact us. So there was a study in 2017, half a million, basically people your age, uh, high levels of depression. It had increased by 33% over this period of time. The suicide rate for girls in particular had gone up by 65%, and it talks about this There's a direct correlation in the time that smartphones were getting into the hands and pockets of people your age. And people go, well, causation, correlation. I'm telling you, I've looked at a lot of these studies. There's a strong correlation. If you are spending a crazy amount of time on your phone, on social media, you might find yourself feeling some feelings you didn't really know where they came from. And it might just be time to put your phone down and get away from that for just a little while. This is even into college. It doesn't go away. And here's some more about social media and perceived isolation. There's another study that talked about young adults. So now this is what's kind of your next phase that's coming for you. 
Time spent on social media and perceived social isolation. Let me just tell you, you get out of high school and you get into what's next, it can be a very lonely time. It can be harder to make friends the older you get. Those of us who are adults, sometimes our friends are just the people we've been friends with for 20 years. We can't think of the last time we made a new friend. But what we do is we jump on a Facebook, us old people, uh, or whatever you guys are using now. We're like, yeah, I'm so connected. And you're not. It's superficial. It's filtered. And you realize you maybe haven't actually connected with someone on a human level in some time. Social media is a trap in a lot of ways. It'll make you feel like you're so connected. Go look through all your followers, all your friends, all those whatever. How well do those people know you? Are you living your life in community with those people? Or are you telling yourself, well, I got a ton of friends? Or do you just have a ton of people who clicked a box somewhere online once upon a time? You got to beware of this fake intimacy, this fake connection. It's just not real. It's just not real. Now, hear me. Social media can be great. If you've got family abroad, if you've got friends abroad, it's a great way to keep up with them, great way to see what's going on in their lives. I'm not saying you should delete all this stuff. I'm saying you've got to be more cautious of the time you're spending and the impact you're allowing it to have. There's a famous quote that says, comparison is the thief of joy. And so when you're scrolling and you're looking at that person who looks like they have it all together and you're beating yourself up because you don't have more of what they have, please remember that what they're showing you is just a snapshot of a moment in what is probably otherwise a chaotic life just like yours. Social media is not the end-all, be-all. Some of you probably do need to delete some of your social media. You probably just need to get off there. It's probably not helping or benefiting or blessing your life in any way. And you've got to ask yourself, if this is not a blessing in my life, if this is not helping me grow as a person, as a Christ follower, what am I doing? We should constantly be thinking about all the things we're doing in our life through that lens. Is this helping me? Is this hurting me? I think we would on the surface go, yeah, social media is helping me. Is it really? Go do your own research. Just jump on the Google and start typing in some of the stuff about social media, depression, screen time, depression correlation. It's, it's there. And if you, I've got a ton of this stuff on my computer. If you want to talk to me later, we can sit and we can talk about it. Uh, I want you to remember this. This is your next fill-in on your handout. Garbage in equals garbage out. Garbage in equals garbage out. Have any of you ever seen the documentary Supersize Me? Anybody? Okay. The adults in the room, one or two of you older students. Way back in 2003, that's why you've not seen it because it came out when you were little, there was a guy named Morgan Spurlock. He decided, I'm going to eat only at McDonald's for all three meals every day for 30 days. Right? Sounds good. Who said that? Okay, Chris, you think that sounds good. Let me tell you what happened to our friend Morgan. Uh, over those 30 days, he gained 24 pounds. His cholesterol more than tripled. He experienced depression. Uh, he had some, some relational issues uh, with his then girlfriend. Uh, it took him over a year to lose all of that weight. His doctors, 21 days into it, he had to go to the hospital. They thought he was having a heart attack from eating nothing but McDonald's for three weeks. They told him, please call it off. Don't do this. He kept doing it anyway. He had massive long-term health consequences from eating all these filet fish and McNuggets and fries and whatever the heck is in all that stuff. Did what he consumed matter? Did it matter? Did it make an impact on his life? Would any of you honestly want to eat at McDonald's all day, every day for a month? No. 
I think after a while, you probably start to just smell like McDonald's. You know what I mean? Like, I know the fries are good, but come on, y'all. What you consume matters. You know that. That's why some of y'all are health conscious, and you'll go out and eat, and you want the fried chicken, but you order the salad. You want the dessert, but you're like, no, thank you. You want seconds or thirds, but you turn it down, because you know what I consume matters. If we're so conscious of that when we're sitting down to dinner, why are we not more conscious of that when we're picking one of these up and just drilling this stuff inside of us? What you watch, what you listen to, what you consume matters. And when you're on social media, when you're watching stuff on the internet, that stuff can have a profound impact on you. Garbage in equals garbage out. So if you're like, man, I can't figure out why. I mean, I just keep saying things I wish I wasn't saying. What kind of content are you consuming? What kind of language is being used? Hey, I can't figure out why I can't stop having these thoughts. Well, what, what are you watching? You're watching a bunch of raunchy, awful stuff that just treats sex like it's so casual, and you're like, well, I can't figure out why I always have these thoughts. I can. I can tell you why. Because you're watching garbage. I can't tell you the number of times students have told me, I, I just like that music for the beat. You're lying to yourself. That music is getting in here. It's garbage, and it will come back out later. I just promise you, garbage in equals garbage out. You've got to be conscious of what you consume. Proverbs 4.23 says this, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. That word for heart is your innermost being, who you are on the inside. So what you're allowing in is going to have an impact on your life. I just want to close by looking at a few verses tonight from Hebrews 12. If you've got Bibles, you can turn there or you can scroll there. Hebrews 12. We don't actually know who wrote the book of Hebrews. We have some theories, but the writer says this at the beginning of the 12th chapter. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. I think there's an interesting distinction in this verse. I've always found this fascinating. It says, we want to run this race, we want to run it with endurance, so we've got to strip off anything that slows us down, especially the sin that trips us up. So does that mean there are some things that are not inherently sinful that slow us down? Yes. If you've got sin in your life, you need to confess that. You need to get into some community who can help you with that. You need to get that out of your life. You need to repent and turn to Jesus. But there's also things in your life that are probably net neutral, but you're using them to your detriment, and they need to go as well. And so, again, for some of us, we've got to be willing to step back, maybe cut back on the number of streaming services, maybe try to work to get that screen time down, maybe delete some social media because it's not helpful or a blessing to you or others. Some of this stuff's just got to go. It's slowing you down. You're not able to run the race God has set before you well keeps going in verse 2 and says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Are you keeping your eyes on Jesus? Not the person beside you. Are you, like you, are you keeping your eyes on Jesus? How do you even do that? Oh, I come to church on Sundays. Man, that's great. Love that. What are you doing the other six days out of the week? Maybe we need to put down our video game controllers and open up our Bibles. Maybe we need to stop binge-watching so many episodes in one sitting and bragging about it like that's some great accomplishment and take some time 
to pray. Maybe we need to stop doom scrolling through social media to make sure that we're not missing out on anything. Guess what? You are. Get over your FOMO. You're going to miss out on stuff. That's life. And maybe you could find some time to have some Christ-centered conversation in community. Those are some things that will help you keep your eyes on Jesus. If you sit there and wonder, man, why is my faith just in shambles? Because you're not keeping your eyes on Jesus. You are so addicted to distraction, you're looking everywhere else in the world. And it says Jesus disregarded the shame of the cross. He was able to keep going because he knew the joy that stood before him. So I just want you to ask yourself this. This is the last fill-in. Where's my focus? Where's my focus? At the beginning of a new school year, where's my focus? Is it on fitting in? Is it on having the latest and greatest? Is it on being the biggest and the best and the baddest? Or is your focus on Jesus? I'm going to invite the band to come on back. They're going to do one more song for us tonight. And as we close, I just want you to think about some of these things. Do you need to confess something? Do you need to jump into some community? What's something maybe that's standing between you and a healthier relationship with Jesus? This is a question for all of us. Adults in the room, we are just as guilty. We spend all this time addicted to our distractions, looking at social media, playing video games, binge-watching shows, just consuming garbage. Some of us in this room are just guilty of plain old idolatry, and we need to confess that tonight and take a step toward Jesus. So the song that they're going to sing here in just a minute is called Quiet. See, we don't like quiet because we're addicted to distraction. If you're like me, you just always want to have the music going in the background, a show on in the background. You've got to have something going. You're addicted to distraction, my friend. Sometimes we just need to be quiet and be still and listen for the voice of God. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to challenge you during this song to just open up your hearts and your minds to whatever God wants to say to you in this moment. Let me pray. God, you love us. Even though we are so addicted to distractions that pull us away from you, we are idolaters who set so many things above you. Would you give us fresh eyes to see where we have stumbled, where we have sinned? Would you give us courage and conviction to set those things at the feet of your cross? Jesus, you gave your life so that we might experience true, abundant, eternal life in you. God, help us to focus on you, to set our eyes on you above all else. Right now, in these next few minutes, Holy Spirit, I pray you would speak to us in a gentle whisper. Show us the step that we need to take in our relationship with you. We love you. It's in your name we pray.